This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's the place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome board, folks. This is Dr. Charles Parker one more time at Core Brain Journal. As you know, this, I'm a little excited, the guy that we're talking to, Jonathan Robinson, is an individual who is really, really strong in relationships. He's been on Oprah three times. He has had wonderful reviews of his recent book, which we'll talk about in just a moment. And what's going to happen is the book is More Love, Less Conflict, the communication playbook for couples. Hey, who wouldn't want to read that book? And he's also had very positive comments from John Gray, the author of Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. So he is a player in the world of relationships. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Chuck. I'm looking forward to it. So it's going to be a lot of fun. First of all, we'll have a little sponsor note, and then we're going to come in and get a formal introduction, and we'll go from there. Let's hit Core Brain Journal is sponsored by Great Plains Laboratory. They have deep international biomedical testing activities for improved targeted mind science details. As both laboratory and webinar global thought leaders, they provide the most comprehensive set of hard data measurement tools for real biomedical answers beyond the ubiquitous guesswork that's out there. And they also provide multiple training seminars for both the public and medical providers on how to use that data effectively in the office. Check out their website for references and testing details. And take note of this one, folks. You can register over on their website for a complimentary test drawing. This week, it's the organic acid test, OATS, O-A-T-S. It's a urine test, simple urine test that you get 72 big answers on what's going on with your molecular and cellular physiology. I suggest you go over and register for a drawing on that over at greatplainslaboratory.com forward slash CBJ for Core Brain Journal. Hey, why not jump on it right now? So let me tell you a little more about Jonathan. He's an experienced psychotherapist and best-selling author. He states that everyone really wants care, understanding, and empathy in their relationship. Yes, that's true. However, there are four relationship mistakes, which we're looking forward to hearing about, that often get in the way of receiving what we really want in those relationships. He calls them the four culprits, the four horsemen of the relationship apocalypse. Oh my gosh. They are denigration, denial, dismissal, and distraction. Oh my gosh. First of all, I love your language, Jonathan. You come right in with the big ones. And then we're going to have to deal with the concepts downstream from it. So if you or a partner are experiencing discord or distance, then there's an easy way to head off relationship breakdown well before circumstances become dire with a variety of simple exercises that Robinson cites in that new book we were talking about, More Love, Less Conflict. So as I said, he's appeared on Oprah. He's done team building with Fortune 500 companies. And the issue is we're going to hear a lot of really interesting stuff, folks. So let's stay with it. I I mean, he's given us a list of questions which we can't cover today (laughs) because they're so comprehensive. 
the top five things not to do when talking to one's partner. You know, there are a lot of interesting things. So it's going to be a great conversation. Jonathan, how in the heck did you get started with all this? You're a psychotherapist, but what drove you to put it in capsules and in a project uh, structural methodology? How did you get into it? Well, it really started with a very dysfunctional childhood where my mother and father got divorced when I was three. Then she got another divorce later and then another divorce. And it was a mess. So by age 12, I got really interested in how to handle my own anxiety and depression and how to overcome my shyness. So by age 13, I was meditating. I was doing hypnosis. I was reading self-help books. Long story short, you know, became a psychotherapist and I got focused on what methods really make life fantastic and how can you help a lazy, depressed person like me uh, have a good life? Well, luckily I wrote a bunch of books that Oprah liked. I, I have focused on these really simple methods and I can now say it, I'm a completely different person. I, I feel great. I I've been married 20 years, and it's really different when you find something that works. So good to have a concept. We were talking a little bit offline. I think a lot of us, all of us, not a lot of us, every single one of us have been in relationship conflicts. This is like the most ubiquitous, most commonplace issue for every single one of us human beings. And the question is, how do we handle them and how do we grow from them? How can we actually conceptualize? And this isn't, do you love your mother? This is not psychoanalysis. This is what are the tips and tools that we can get to move on down the road. And so we're really looking forward to hearing about them. So you then started developing these ideas. And then let's take a couple right off the bat, interesting things that you found like, oh my gosh, here's where I started. This really does surprisingly work so well. Yeah. Well, you know, I have 40 very simple, specific methods in the More Love, Less Conflict book. I hope to give your listeners at least two or three of them during this talk. Let's take one that's extremely simple. Research shows that the biggest factor that leads to happiness in a couple is the amount of appreciations partners say to each other. Now, everybody can do that. In fact, You know, I get caught up in my work. I get caught up in other things. So I have, uh, don't tell my wife this, Chuck, but I have (laughs) Siri remind me on my iPhone (laughs) to tell my wife a sincere appreciation every single day. Good for you. This takes a minute and it makes her feel loved and is easy to do. And when you give love and appreciation, you get it back and it creates an upward cycle. So this is something that everybody can do that's very simple. Of course, has to be sincere, but it's really just asking the question, what could I like or appreciate about my partner today and telling them? Then there's more complicated methods, but even the complicated methods are really fill in the blank of the sentence. Like it could be as simple as, how are you feeling? And is there anything I can do for you? It need not be complex. In fact, on my website, I have 12 questions that lead to instant intimacy. And (laughs) you can ask any of these questions and you'll immediately get into a place of intimacy. It's pretty great. Yeah, now don't tell them the website until we're done because they'll unplug from the podcast and run over there immediately. (laughs) Okay. You did use the word intimacy. 
Well, that's... you know, if you look at the word intimacy, the instructions for finding it are right in the word, into me see. And when you reveal things about yourself, you make yourself more open, it creates a dynamic where other people want to connect with you more deeply. Very, very interesting concept. I mean, you're a man that loves words. I can see that. We were talking a little bit about before we got started. But you love words. You're, all go, you're going into the etymology of the whole thing. It's really very, very interesting. So then that whole point of saying things that are supportive and complementary in some effective way is such so antithetical to the point of I need to help you out. You need some help, so I'm going to correct you. <laughs> yeah, you know, Chuck, my wife has never once in our 20-year marriage reacted well to blaming her and showing her how wrong she is. <laughs> I'm batting zero for a thousand on that. <laughs> Many people who are listening completely agree. They just don't have a way to replace it. What do I do instead of that? Because so many of us think that we're loving people by, by some kind of beat up vertical management, linear, I'm the parent, I'm going to correct you and help you out. And if you just understand how much I'm trying to help you out. And the whole thing behind that, of course, is our own wish to be taken care of. Yeah, yeah. I said the blame, complain, and shame model of communication just does not ever, ever lead to connection and intimacy. So we need to learn these really simple tools that actually do lead to more love and less conflict. And some of them are really simple. Somebody says they had a hard day. You can just complete the sentence, gee, that must feel really frustrating. You know, if you look at Oprah, she's an interesting example because here was a woman who was in the retarded people's class at school had been raped twice by the time she was 15, had a stillborn child, had never lived in a house that had running water or a bathroom, and 20 years later, she's the most powerful, loved person on earth. How'd that happen? Well, mm -hmm. I asked her, how'd that happen? Mm -hmm. And she said, it's all about showing people you understand them and showing them that you care and have empathy for them. And when you think of Oprah, you think of her as being very understanding, empathetic. Mm -hmm. And those are like power tools that if you learn to do that, it just magnifies the amount of love you have in your life and how much people support you. Yeah, understanding the other person is really connecting with them. And then mm -hmm. offering support to them is such good advice, such wonderful advice, really important. I think the issue is how to actually form the habits of doing it and how to actually, you know, whether it's Siri or whatever, how you actually switch your brain over from I'm going to be helpful by um, criticism to I'm going to be helpful by actually loving the person and, and saying supportive, uh, thoughtful things. Yeah. Well, just to give you an example, when you're upset, when you're stressed, your brain kind of goes into fight, flight, or freeze, mm -hmm. and you're not at your best. So a lot of the methods in the More Love, Less Conflict book are literally being able to say two or three words. And if you can say two words, it will guide you in the right direction. For example, when my wife is upset, I used to want to fix her, which she never liked. <laughs> so now, as she's talking about a hard day, I will rehearse the words that will lead to instant love. And the words are, that must feel. 
And then I guess how she feels. That must feel frustrating. That must feel hurtful. That must feel stressful. And that's what she's really looking for, is to know that I care about how she's feeling. And when I do that, it actually allows her to let go of the stuck feeling and get back to a place of love for herself. So being able to say three words, or I have two words that actually ends all arguments immediately. Oh, what are they? My curiosity is up there. (laughs) Well, my wife and I used to argue a lot, and we decided that the reason we were arguing a lot is when we got upset, we would get very focused on showing the other person how wrong they were, and that didn't help. So what we decided to do is that we would say two words, and the two words were red light. And a red light means that both of us have to take three minutes and be completely quiet and to let go of the momentum of upset and just relax. By the time three minutes are done, we're in a different mind state, and then we can talk rationally again. So we haven't had an argument for about five years now because maybe once every six months we say red light, we relax, we take a few deep breaths, And then when we come back, we rationally talk things out. It sounds like a great, great idea to be able to have a plan as a couple. You're actually saying, look, we know we're going to have conflicts. Now, here's what we're going to do about it. Instead of, okay, here's another problem. Let's talk about the problem. You're talking actually, which I I like this uh, book by Dr. Edward de Bono called Six Thinking Hats. I don't know if you're familiar with that one, but I am. You know, it's such a great book because what he does is you're in a group with a complex number of individuals and there are six ways that you can actually sit back and identify and it changed the whole group dynamic because all he's doing is identifying the process, which is what you're saying. He's saying, folks, a process is going on. Let's identify the process and let's agree on what we're going to do about the process, which is so wonderful and so helpful. Really interesting. Yeah. And I really like these extremely simple methods for, say, avoiding arguments or how do you avoid each other's triggers? I have methods for that that are good. When you're busy and distracted, how do you get to a place of intimacy quickly and deeply? Those are all questions where there's now really fantastic, simple ways of doing that. The good news is most people don't know any of them. (laughs) I say that's good news because somehow they're together despite the fact that they're using horrible methods such as blame and complain. Right, right, good point. When they do find something that actually is useful and good, it takes their relationship to a whole new level. That is so interesting. I can imagine this book is going to be a very, it already is a big book. You sound like you've had some significant success with it. How long has it been out now? Well, it's been out three weeks. I've gotten over 120 interview requests, so uh, that's already a second printing. So it it evidently is doing quite well. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. That's great. Well done. You know, we're all looking for some things that will work. It isn't simplicity. I don't like the word, you know, when somebody starts talking about it, I mean, you may say it about yourself, you know, it's really simple and it's easy. But I think the real issue is condensing it into a manageable context. So you can actually say, here's a condensation of what's going on that's easily discernible, even with all the variables of life going on. And here's how we can do it. And here's a plan that we have for resolving these things right off the bat. Bingo. Yeah, we need that nowadays because we are subject to uh, what I would call WMDs, 
WMDs are not weapons of mass destruction. They're widgets of mass distraction. And <laughs> yeah, they, they make good communication harder. You know, we're texting or email, but none of that's really very nourishing. Even Facebook, like a thousand Facebook friends does not really equal one really good friend who cares. Yeah. No, that's so true. Yeah. So we need things to deal with all these new stressors that I would call like an advanced technology that actually allows us to get to depth and connection more quickly because some of us don't have time to spend three days just uh, on a vacation trying to connect. It's very interesting because I can imagine the applications going beyond couples. I mean, so much of what you're talking about is the intimacy of interaction with just another human being. And I think the first thought that occurs to me about that would be this could be applied in a work situation as well. You know, the issue is, of course, when you're intimate with someone, the whole confusion of how does the other person think and what do I think and, and this whole kind of obligatory plan that I need to correct them is more automatic because you wouldn't do that at work. Yeah. But I think even at work, it can happen. Go ahead, please. Well, you know, you're right that the same methods work with coworkers or a boss or a child or a teenager even because they're all human and humans are all very much alike. So you're right that once you learn how to communicate with a partner, the same methods make your work easier. You know how to deal with difficult people so they aren't uh, bossy or a bully. And it kind of gives you a superpower. I don't levitate, but I, I do have a superpower and people pay me well for that superpower. But just between you and me, that superpower is something anybody can learn in a couple hours. Well, it sounds like just even the few things you've said would be able to be used constructively tonight where anybody is. Just, yeah. just say, hey, let's just sit down and have a little conversation about this. Let's not make it complicated. Let's just agree to do this and see how it works. I right. mean, it would be so enormously interesting and easy. Now, I'm going to take a quick break right here, and I'm going to ask you the question when we come back, because you had a little bit of a lead into it when we started talking. And I love these uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse or whatever, the relationship apocalypse. <laughs> I can't even pronounce the word. Apocalypse. I can spit it out. And I'd love to talk about those four horsemen so we can uh, break them down a little bit, because it's kind of what you were talking about a moment ago. So we'll get into that in just a moment when we come right back. Today, the world of mind, science, psychiatry, and mental health is rapidly changing with innovative, comprehensive testing that takes both patients and practitioners into a new world of measured details with useful, understandable, and remarkably actionable plans. The key phrase here is cost-effective. Testing also introduces a key parallel word, predictability. Psychiatric treatment failure, especially after multiple medications and our brief hospitalizations, arises directly from the complexity of measurable brain-body imbalances and impediments that explicitly interfere with medical outcomes and create costly difficulties with inadequately informed supplement and medication trials over time. Great Plains provides a leadership team of biomedical experts with advanced laboratory insights approved nationally both by the FDA and CLIA laboratory certifications and is available internationally for both public and medical professions. 
Great Plains Laboratory is the primary laboratory we've used at CoreSite for years with excellent customer service for both patients and medical colleagues. They are on the spot. They get it every time. In addition, they provide exemplary training modules, which are webinars and conferences, in an effort to broaden practice perspectives wherever you live. Do follow up on one of these complimentary test offers today at http greatplainslaboratory.com forward slash cbj. Yeah, that's Core Brain Journal CBJ. Well, welcome back, folks. I can't talk. For some reason, I'm getting excited about this relationship business. And we have, as we talked about, Jonathan Robinson here, the author of More Love, Less Conflict. And he's been talking to us about some very interesting practical tools that anybody can use in their home, their office, their workplace with their children. And one of the questions I wanted to ask is the whole business of the relationship apocalypse. And I love the words denigration, denial, dismissal, and distraction. Let's let's break them down a little bit, if you don't mind, Jonathan, because that's kind of where we started. And it'd be fun to wrap it up a little bit if we could. Sure. Well, those are the four Ds, I call them. First, the denigration, which is putting people down. And we do it quite often. The average couple has three negative comments for every positive comment. And that makes people not feel very good. All blame is denigration. And then there's denial. I used to think that if I denied a problem, it would go away. But I've uh, <laughs> learned yeah. that that's not the case. Join the club. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> yeah. Of course, distraction is a real problem nowadays. We have TV, internet, email, smartphone, all kinds of things. And you can sometimes lose sight that love is actually the most important thing in one's life, not only for feeling good, but even for your health. So we have a loneliness epidemic now, and it's twice what it was just 15 years ago. So I think that being subject to all these distractions is really, we're paying a price. And lastly is dismissal. You know, that's when you do things like you say, oh, you're worrying for nothing, or it's not that big a deal, or anything like that. Those are things which are basically saying what you feel is not important to me, and that's never a good message if you want more love in your life. Amazing how you, when I was thinking about not only dismissal in regards to, in the dismissal there that you were using as as an example, the person is, how they feel is diminished. And really instructive, and it has a kind of imperial wizardry where the individual is, in a way, putting them down to try to help them out. And obviously, it doesn't go anywhere. But I was also thinking about the whole dismissal in terms of what their own attentions are, what their own intentions and attentions are, whether they're valid or not. So it's not only the feeling business, but go ahead, please, and talk about that. Well, you know, we dismiss our partners and our kids and people very easily. Even we're mostly dismissing people's feelings. Even when you try to fix somebody, you're not really being there with their feeling. And the number one thing people want is to be understood in a feeling way. So I have a lot of very simple fill in the blank things in the More Loveless Conflict book that allows people to feel understood. You know, I've never had a couple walk into my office, Chuck, and say, we really understand each other well. That's why we want a divorce. That's never happened. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, what a paradox that would be. Yeah. But I do have couples come in and say, I just don't understand him or she doesn't understand me. And luckily, there's simple ways to get to a place of understanding. Most people don't know those methods and therefore they suffer unnecessarily. Let's take a moment to talk about that. Actually, as you're talking, the other thing I'm thinking about is the individuals, the adolescents and, and the people who are running around shooting people. I mean, there's a serious pathology going on in the entire country. Yeah. And people are thinking, what happens is when you talk about bullying, we've had a number of people here on Core Brain Journal talking about bullying. And, but what I think is so constructive and so helpful with the way you're talking about this is that there are some basic things that teachers could do in schools, mm-hmm. that principals could do with the kids that come into their office when they're out of line. And yeah. to say something constructive in that moment of tension that could get, help that child, that individual, that person who's really irritated, feel connected with being understood and, and maybe there's some answers here as opposed to there are no answers, you're just a, um, a negative cipher in the whole situation. Yeah, I mean, with the most recent shooting, that kid felt like he was very ostracized and misunderstood. And his way of dealing with that was to shoot people. Ends up he had people who did feel like he understood them, and he actually did not shoot those people. He saved their lives. Is Uh, that right? I didn't hear about that. No, that was a big thing in the news, that there were six people that he were in the class that he decided not to shoot because they had showed some care towards him. But this is an epidemic, and what we really need to do is learn how to get to a place where we help people feel understood. When you give people exactly what they want, they will give you what you want. That's a basic law of business and relationships. But we haven't really learned this foreign language. And in some ways, it's so easy. It could be simply asking them, hey, what's going on? And they talk about the difficulties they're having. And then you say, boy, that must feel really lonely to not have any friends like that. It must feel horrible to have somebody pick on you. Little things like that are a step in the right direction of intimacy. And intimacy is in the direction of love. So if you want, you and I can do one of these exercises right now. No, please go. Let's, let's try it. See what happens. Okay. I like this one because it's a great way to get to know someone very quickly. And that is we take turns saying, answering this sentence. If you really knew me, you would know blank. So Chuck, if you really knew me, you'd know that when I do these interviews, I always am a little worried that I will come off too salesy because I'm very passionate about this subject. I see how it changes people's lives, but I don't like salesmen. And I always worry that I don't want to come off that way. Well, your passion is very constructive. You don't sound salesy to me at all. I think there may be some people in the audience who are always wondering about why do we do these things. Maybe we're trying to seduce them into some kind of crazy relationship and take their money. But that's not the case with you. I think the words that you use are so constructive, a person would need some serious love wherever they are out in Tuskegee (laughs) to correct the problem of being apprehensive about what your communication is all about. Well, thank you. Um, So why don't you try it? If you really knew me, you'd know and complete that sentence. If you really knew me, you would know that I'm 
absolutely driven to correct the way we're dealing with human beings in the world over in psychiatry land because mm -hmm. it's a game of talk about a game of thrones it's a game of appearances and so much of what you're talking about is the reality of uh, human existence as opposed to labels and medicines and games that are off on that so that's where my passion is if you really knew me that's what i would tell you about myself that's nice good well you want to do one more a yeah, different game? okay yeah. one more something i noticed about you that i appreciate is so chuck something i noticed about you that i appreciate is that you have a two things one a very strong sense of mission and a very strong desire for a quality show you know i got lots of instructions beforehand of exactly <laughs> this is how we will do things <laughs> so you know we are most benefit to the listeners and i really appreciate that combination of somebody who's competent but also very caring about moving forward the sense of mission so i noticed that about you and i appreciate it and what i noticed about you and that i appreciate is the fact that you are so authentic in the way you approach it i think almost every example you gave was a humble experience of what you did that was not constructive for yourself. So there's a whole meaning of authenticity there. You're not posing, you're not posturing, you're not gaming. You're just saying, hey, this is what happened to me and here's what I constructively did about it. And I think that that is very redemptive in a certain way because that whole gets, gets rid of the whole sales thing that we were talking about a moment ago. It just dissipates it because you're saying, this is my life. This is what happened to me, and here's how I corrected it. Yeah. So, you know, little things like these open-ended sentences or other methods in the book help deepen conversation, help deepen relationships, help to avoid misunderstandings. And when you learn how to speak this uh, language, you start to realize that you're not having difficulties with people soon, and that People seem to like you a lot more. It's a really good feeling. Well, you know, you've inspired me to encourage to help you any way I can from the following perspective, because while we're talking here, I'm thinking about another mission that I've had in the background, and that is so much of what we're talking about could be really started even in grade school by actually having classes in relationship management that kids could then have a certain level of mastery in and could then have a certain goal and set of achievements that would be like, you got an A in relationship management, or you know, you got a B because when you did this, it was counterproductive. And if we could try that again, we could see where it would go. But because you got the B, you get this additional responsibility with this kid over here that got a C. And I think if we get everybody working with themselves on this other level, the whole bullying thing would be gone. Take your book, and take your ideas and say, here's how we handle this, even in first grade. I think it'd be yeah, great. Yeah. Well, I currently volunteer in prisons to teach them how to do this and find it very rewarding. And I see powerful changes because, you know, if you only know the language of blame and shame and complain, that's what you got to do. You know, if you only know English, you got to speak English, even if you're in France. Mm -hmm. But if you know a more effective language, then you speak it and you create really different results in your life. You would be very interested in meeting Doug Knoll. Have you heard of Doug Knoll? Who does, 
prison work, you would, you would enjoy him. He's very much on the same line as you, and I'm trying to quickly look at my notes, and I, I probably won't find it in the next few minutes, but he's a guy that you would definitely like to uh, bond with. I'll send it to you when we, after we get off uh, sometime this evening, okay. but he does prison work himself, and his whole thing is how you can actually take the experience of the problem of the dichotomy and work with it. But he doesn't work with it quite the way you do, and I think you guys would get along very well together. So I think it was, uh, yeah, it's episode 150, Dr. Okay. Doug Knoll. He's a, he's a lawyer, and a doctorate-level lawyer, and, and episode 150. If you listen to him, you, you'll get a kick out of it because he's very much the way you are. But I think prisons would be a great place. I just, I'm so interested in children. And even if we started somewhere in grade school, maybe grade school is too early. I'd be, what do you think? You think grade school is too early? No, I think that a lot of these methods are so simple. Johnny, what are you feeling? What are you wanting? That's really key communication that most couples don't communicate. Yet a seven-year-old often can communicate that. So I think it's really one of the great things about learning these methods is you tend to teach what you know. So adults that learn these things start to affect their kids at a very young age. And one of the greatest gifts you can give to your kids is to learn how to communicate honestly and with love and with a ability to really connect with people. So I wish it was taught in grade school, but for now it's going to have to be the parents that learn how to do this. Yeah, I think that'd be a worthy next step for both of us. I would be happy to help you any way I could if we could think about it. Because it all is just like right now, our conversation, there's a certain structure to it. We're talking about the book and the structure of the book. But then if we had a specific educational format, you know, that would just be for, even if it was for a month and say, and, and then label what they're going to do with bullies in the, in the school with, the, with this whole thing, something, I don't know. I'm just talking off the top of my head, but I think it'd be It'd be so beneficial because what you're saying is so intuitively correct. I mean, right now what I do is I teach Fortune 500 companies how to talk to each other. (laughs) Uh, They they start to see that it has major effect on their bottom line because workplaces where people can communicate well, solve problems quickly and easily and like each other tend to do really good work. So I get called into places like Google or Microsoft and I teach the executives how to talk to each other because it makes them a lot more money. Fantastic. Well, they, and they feel like they want to work there. You know, you're not going to yeah. have turnover. Because exactly. the boss does get you and is really interested in how to work with you. You know, it's, it's very interesting because the applications are, are, are all over the place. I, I, all, the only reason I was thinking about the kids is we starting early, but it's great that you're able to do that with Google and Microsoft. That's fantastic. So do you coach people from a distance as well with your work? Do you have virtual consultations that you do on telephone or any of that sort of thing? Sometimes I do that and people can contact me through my website, but mostly I like doing workshops. I have one coming up in New York next month and one in Vancouver this weekend. But you know, the book really has most of what I know. If people read the book, they get the methods themselves. They don't need the coaching so much because the methods work so well that they don't really need a therapist or a coach if they use what they learn. Just like I just got a a power saw. Once somebody showed me how to use it the first time, I don't need somebody 
telling me every single time how to use it. Right, right, right. Well, I think another thing is valuable, and we really appreciate you uh, helping us with the PDF. We're going to have a PDF. What happens with Jonathan's website is morelovelessconflict.com, and mm -hmm. he has a PDF that he shared with us that's going to be on the show notes, where you just click on and download it and have it, have it available, which is going to give you an additional resource to him. We'll have a link for the book. And I don't know if you know about this, Jonathan, but you can do uh, geni.us. And it's a global link. So your book can be on your website available in the money in Australia or in China. Oh, great. So it's a, something you can think about and you can do that. So uh, if I don't know if you sell your book from your website, but it's something to think about. So good. We're going to have that. Now, the final thing is when you, you have, there are several different really cool things you had here. And one is the, what, this is a big question. We have a few more minutes. I want to work this as much as I can to get this from you the top five things not to do when talking to one's partner. Now, I don't know if you have those top five things in your mind, but I don't want to put you on the spot. But if you could give us one or two and talk about it, I think that would be a good way to close this up here. Sure. Well, you know, the number one thing is it doesn't really do any good to blame your partner because they never say upon blaming them where they go, oh my gosh, you're right. I will have to correct the errors in my ways. That never <laughs> happens. But we think that, you know, if I could just show them exactly how wrong they are, they will finally relent, but that doesn't work. So I would suggest that you learn how to share your feelings and get people on your side, but without making your partner wrong. And the other thing that happens so much is where we don't let somebody feel what they're feeling. We either try to fix it or we dismiss it or we say it's not such a big deal. but People want to feel their feelings. And when you allow them and you actually share in their feeling, which is called empathy, that's a large part of what really leads to a connection. I mean, you can probably remember a time when some person really got you. You really felt like they understood. And that's one of the best feelings that you can get. And when you do things that interfere with that, you're interfering with love and connection. That's so true. So any one of those, anytime somebody is actually taking the judgmental tone. Yeah, yeah. Taking the, even though it sounds like it's helpful to the person that's giving this tone, it may not be helpful because they're not really synchronizing with what the actual feeling of the person is on the receiving end. Yeah, they're so, not resonating. And that lack of resonance lack of connection makes it so that you actually become less connected. And, you know, we have this loneliness epidemic now, and it comes from people really not knowing how to connect consistently well with each other. Yeah, I enjoyed just having the little exercise that we had there, because I think if a person listens to that, I mean, they can run this back and listen to it again, because just that little piece of what you and I were doing with each other, it's funny because you feel like you know the guy a little better than you did when you started the whole thing. Like, so we started this conversation, then we go back and forth with this thing. So then we're on this different level working with each other just with that little brief experience. And I, I think uh, the individuals who are listening could, could just go practice that. Just say those simple phrases, simple words, and have the, have the concept. Well, they'll, they'll have that PDF, what I call the 12 questions for instant intimacy. And I get a lot of emails from people who try that, and they said, I felt more connected with my partner 
in 20 minutes of doing that than I have felt in the last 30 years. Those are the types of emails I get. That's so good. You know, it's a very powerful technology. It really leads to a lot of connection very quickly. Well, I'm glad you told us about that because I didn't realize that was what was in there. The, so that is the, that particular PDF has those 12. Yeah, that's good. I appreciate your telling me. The 12 things you can say. Say it again one more time. Well, it's, it's called the 12 questions for instant intimacy. Thank you. Well, that's great, folks. It's going to be fantastic. I've got to make sure I get that one down. For the show notes, Jonathan, it's been great talking to you. Time has flown by. It's zoomed on by. And the thing about it is you're making such a very significant constructive effort. You think about the relationships that are sour. You think about the businesses that can use a guy like you to come in and just say, and, and it really is not complicated. This is not several levels of abstraction away from reality. This is the actual reality of the moment, which makes it so refreshing. You know, yeah. so much of what we do is conceptualizing in some way, some other level than just here's where you are, here's where I am, and this is what I'm hearing you say, or here's how I might be able to be helpful or whatever. Yeah. I'll give you one last uh, metaphor. I went to China five years ago. I didn't know word of Chinese. So I couldn't connect with any Chinese people at all. And it was a shame because I wanted to, but I didn't have any the right words. Well, I went there last year and on the plane over, I got 15 words. <laughs> now, 15 words is not a lot, but it allowed me to connect with everybody. You know, I could say, hello, how you doing? Where's the bathroom? You know, <laughs> help. Thank you. And it was nothing but smiles. So it doesn't take a lot to really change your level of communication to a new level. And literally, you can double your communication ability in 20 minutes of a few simple phrases. So I'm very excited about that because not many areas of life can you learn something in a short period of time and it can make a difference for the rest of your life. That is so profound and it's yeah. so true. I mean, as you were saying that, I was thinking about myself, you know, I did psychoanalytic training in Philadelphia and I'm not Jewish. My last name is Parker, you know. I had friends of mine at the Institute say, are you Jewish? <laughs> because I learned the Hebrew blessing for bread. So I would pop it out, and I learned some of the Yiddish expressions. So I could just say, you know, I'd pop it out like a regular guy. And it, it was great for bonding because I'm not Jewish. I have a very thoroughgoing positive feeling about the Jewish community. But just saying a few things help people feel like I'm there, even though I may not be there entirely uh, operationally. It's, it's quite interesting. Yeah. You don't have to be a world's expert. You just have to know a couple things and use them, and it makes everything very different. That is so true, Jonathan. Thank you again so much for joining. It's really very interesting. If you ever have a bug to talk again about something, hey, here's another thing. We'd love to have you back. You're the kind of guy that's making such a contribution. We'd love to have you come back anytime you want to. Well, thank you, Chuck. I appreciate that. Best of luck. Thank you. All right. You have a good one. Thanks for listening to Cobrain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications like those written for ADHD are used so regularly 
without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.